This is How's the Bite. I'm Ken Root along with Bob Urban. Bob is there at uh, the uh, Murray Baden Tackle uh, Mothership uh, on the south end of Guttenberg under the Big Walleye. And uh, Bob, it's uh, it's August. We're rolling right into it. I can tell the later sunrise. It's uh, it's kind of depresses me in a way that you know we're in the second half of the year. But on the other hand, it should get cooler and the fishing should get better here in the near future. Yeah, uh, should is the key word there, Ken. We did get some rain last night. That was awesome. Uh, Three-tenths of an inch, the mm-hmm. local farmers that come fishing in the morning, they were telling us. But fishing should definitely pick up. It's it's definitely at a lull right now, um, if we're being really honest. The, the same guy we talked to on the podcast last Friday, he'd come in. I said, how's the bite? He said, it sucks. But that's just coming, <laughs> from, a, coming from a crappie guy. Um, he fishes exclusively for crappie, and I would agree the crappie the crappie fishing is really, really hard right now with the water being low and, and trying to find out where they're stacked up. I would assume they're in the channels. Yeah, that's just kind of where we're at, trying to figure out the fishermen this week, actually. Um, the, fi- the fishermen are trying to figure out the fish, and as a business owner, we're trying to figure out the fishermen. We don't have people coming in the store at all in the mornings. The It's, it's been like dead, and then all of a sudden – we get busy in the afternoon. It's just strange for this time of the year. You'd think you'd want to be out. Just kind of something that we've noticed. Uh, all the guys work in the shop. It's just everybody's kind of waiting until the afternoon to get well, up and move, and it seems like. Don't you have the extra added attraction of Ben being there, and doesn't that bring in sort of a tourist crowd to uh, get autographs and visit with him? He is. He's in today. I'm going to let you talk to him here in a bit. He's in bright and early. He'll be here probably all weekend. Um, he doesn't like fishing in the heat, so he always he makes an example of me and, and just tells everybody I don't let him go fishing. He's got to work, but I think, honestly, the 70-degree the air-conditioned building in here is a little bit better than 96 or whatever it's supposed to be. <laughs> hey, we have a guest that we're going to talk to here in a minute whose name is Brett King, and he is a super walleye fisherman, but he's a nice guy, and he's very straight with me in the interview that I did with him about how hard it is to get yourself to the point you can professionally fish, and how these tournaments are moving toward technology. You know, you're selling this technology. You talk about it a lot. He claims that what they're doing is they have their head down looking at the scope until they see a fish in the right spot, and then they cast. He said, but, you know, on the other hand, as he's getting older, it saves him about 100 casts a day to do that. So I'm curious your reaction to the technology that's being implemented. Yeah, the professional guys probably are more in tune to that. Brett would know a little bit more. I personally am not to that point yet. When I go out, I'm, I use it to, to find the fish. So I'm not second-guessing myself. Like I'm like, oh, that would be a good spot, I think. Yep, that's definitely a good spot. There's fish there. And then I start fishing. These tournament guys, Ken, I think what he's talking about is they're not even wasting their time on smaller fish. They're heads down waiting for that big one, and I would call it trophy hunting or head hunting, similar to deer hunting, but they're doing it with fish because big fish win, right? That's what's going to win the tournament. So they're just driving past smaller groups of fish, uh, looking for bigger fish. And with the technology, I think that's what you're able to do now. Um, I don't know the tournament 
market. I know there's a lot of tournaments out there, whether it's bass, whether it's walleye. Brett will be talking a lot about walleye fishing, and, and I've known Brett for a while now, uh, going up to Pool 4 in Red Wing, Minnesota. I would put him up against uh, any jig pitching fisherman. He's he's really, really good and very knowledgeable. Well, he says that the fishing in that Red Wing area, I believe it's Pool 3 uh, that he's on, is really good uh, in late fall. He said he doesn't hunt because the fishing's too good at that time of year. Uh, same thing with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys will sit in a, in a tree stand, wait for that big buck, um, try to try to figure out their, their deer when you should be out walleye fishing. I've said that for years. Brett knows exactly. Yeah, pool three and pool four, I think, is where he's at, I think, on, on the lock and dam system. But Brett lives right over there. He lives on the Wisconsin side. He's very knowledgeable. He just embarrasses up when, us when we go up. He'll, he'll go out an hour before dark and have a ton of fish, and we'll fish all day and have, you know, our limit. But we t- it takes us all day. He'll go out. He does a lot of the night bite stuff as well. Well, he's, uh, he's just good at it, obviously, and there are certain people like this. I met a man one time who was a marksman, and he was on staff for one of the ammunition companies. And I spoke to him, and I kept noticing that he had a hole in his lip. And he had actually bitten through his own lip in his focus of how to get that target exactly where it needed to be. And I thought, nah, I'm not going to try that hard. (laughs) How many years of doing that? How old of a gentleman was he? He was in his 40s, I guess. Yeah. But it kind of scared me of the intensity of what it took for him to do that. Yeah, breathing, now, everything, his tenseness to, to relax or whatever he took it out on his lip. But, yeah, I don't know. That's that's crazy if you can get to that point. But in anybody mastering any type of an art, I always was like, oh, is it luck or is it that? But when it comes to anything like this and fishing and practice um, and you start looking at professional fishermen, uh, it's not luck. I mean, they might be using some technology. They might be using this, but they're using everything in their power to have the best the best chance. And if you're professional at anything, it's it's practice. Well, we're not pros, and uh, we have a lot of people who come in to your place who want to experience the joy of the hobby that they have. And there's a lot of people who are already thinking about hunting. And, Bob, we're going to try to do a little bit on that as we move into fall. So to give a heads up to our normal listeners and spread the word to others, uh, we're going to try to examine a number of things that go into getting yourself ready for deer season. And uh, I think that will be a lot of fun in some coming shows. It's just a lot going on in the fall. Everything's changing and you can fish and you can hunt, but you do have to choose where you're going. Are you going into the timber or are you out on the lake or are you going out on the river? So uh, a lot of outdoors activities coming up. Duck hunters are out. It's going to be a it's going to be a fun fall, and we I'd love to talk about how's the hunt, how's the bite, or how's the whatever. Get folks outside and enjoy that that weather change. I'm going to pick up uh, more with DNR. Lucas Dever and I have been talking about this and. Uh, uh, Jerry from our part of the world and uh, others that are going to communicate with us on some things on regulations and others on safety. And so I hope that folks will join us as we expand out 
to talk about uh, hunting because you can be a fisherman and a hunter both. And Bob, I would say that you would welcome them, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean a lot of them. A lot of our customer base is Ken. We do a lot of a lot of both. The hours on the water, the hours out in the timber. That's how you create success. And if you can do it safely and get some tips from the show, from the DNR, from from you or I in our humor. Um, yes. However, however, we need to do just to to get outside and enjoy what what's going on. It's going to be a really, really hopefully cool fall. Things will change here eventually, and and it'll be a good a good time for everyone. Do you want do you want to talk to Ben today? Let me go find him. So Ben wants this bobber rack. I told him I was going to build this bobber rack in the store. The little cubby I want to put. I want to put all the. That's okay if we have customers, Ben. Ken likes Ken likes when we're ringing the register up. Ben, tell him about this bobber rack that I'm supposed to be building and I haven't got it done because I'm extremely busy is my excuse, Ken. Here's Ben for you guys. Hey, Ben. How you doing? Not too bad. Tell me about Bob and his uh, putting off doing what he's supposed to be doing. I said uh, a couple years ago that we were in a bobber rack here on the corner. And it doesn't appear to have gotten built yet. So I started saying that it was going to be built in 2028, Ken. <laughs> 2028, huh? Yeah. Five years from now. Well, that was three years ago when I started seeing that. And it's getting closer and closer every day. Well, you know, if he had some bobbers, he'd probably, and they're on display, there's some neat bobbers you guys have. You'd probably sell a lot more, and you'd actually increase his profitability, wouldn't you? Yeah, we would. Does he listen to any of your merchandising ideas, Ben? Not really. I'm sorry about that, because I think you're a wealth of knowledge in that area. You have so many capabilities, but, you know, he's he's he owns the place, so what do you do? Yeah, you can't tell the boss what to do. No, no, I'd that's like for sure. Days, but... Well, you've got a fan base, you know, that there's a lot of people that come in there to see you and they endure Bob, but they want to talk to you. So I hope yeah. you can you can handle that politically. Yeah. All right. Well, put me back to Bob and thank you for all you do to keep him in business. Yep. Here's Bob. Bob, we solved a lot of your problems right there. So listen to Ben. And he projects that you won't have that rack built till 2028. He's pretty. He's doing pretty good. It's been three years, so <laughs> not that we haven't had anything else going on at all. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, give me a fishing report. Lay it on me. We we're already admitting to people the bite is slow, but the truth is what people want. So give us the truth about the fishing on any species that might be waiting for a bobber. We are very truthful here at Murray's. We're just going to tell you kind of how it is. If it's slow, it's slow. Things have been a little bit slower on the walleye end, uh, smallmouth end, bass end. That's all kind of tapered down a little bit uh, from three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. They were doing really well on smallmouth and stuff. Customer that we just had, I was talking to just when Benny was, I don't know, whatever he was talking about, about my bobber rack that's supposed to be built. They did really good. They had 25 bluegills out on the wing dam. So I would definitely say we were talking about that wing dam bite if you're walleye fishing. Um, just saw on Sam Willett. We talked to Sam a lot in Dubuque, right? Uh, the mm -hmm. guide out of Dubuque. 
yesterday they were walleye fishing and it looked like they switched over to bluegill fishing whatever's biting so he must have got into some of those bluegills on the wing dams as well so uh bluegill wing dam bite looks like that's going to be probably the best bite right now he got into a few perch he said um but they had some some eight to nine inch bluegills which is good that's what you'll get this time of the year if you want to throw on a crawdad take the kids out we're getting a lot of kids in for the last hurrah here ken um before school starts grandpa dad parents families are going on vacations um take a crawdad put that on uh you'll get a 15 pound sheephead um you want to you want to have have a good ride with a fish uh for a you know a five-year-old to a 10-year-old kid they have a ball doing that so for those people going for the big sheep's head what kind of uh current or area should you be in for that so that sheephead bite is going to be kind of where the walleyes usually hang out um in the fall and the spring i would say any any area uh like the barge would be a good good area. You know, Jamie's uh, Landing 615 is a good area for sheephead. Where there's deeper holes, um, you can get them on wing dams um, on the outside edge because uh, those sheephead are just being lazy. They're just going to sit and wait for their food to come to them um, on a current seam or anything. So that's where you go. Catfish bite, uh, a lot of my local guys have been doing really good on catfish as well. That's a stink bait bite just a couple local guys i think they're up to about 60 here this week the four different times they went out so i'd say that's pretty good bite right now um but that's the first i heard of the good wing dam bluegill bite i think that's going to be pretty common um here this fall let me ask you about bait uh do you have any crawdads um i don't i get some in here and there um they kind of pretty much sold out for that mississippi walleye club tournament out of dubuque they do a ton uh for the kids this weekend they have that tournament where they where they go out and try to catch big fish with the kids pro-ams are the the walleye club members take a kid out and they do want crawdads for those sheep heads so it's kind of a tough market right now you just have to check every day can we do get some in some days we have them some days we don't can you go up a little stream off the river and find some crawdads and dig them out? Yeah, you can. It's been a pretty good, pretty good year for those crawdads in the in the creek. So if the kids want to go uh, set a trap out or or flip some rocks, you can go get them. Bob, do you have anything coming up at the store that people uh, should know about? How's your produce, and do you have any sales coming up? We have uh, 50% off all of our trees, all of our shrubs, any nursery stock outside. We're downsizing that. 30% on all of our gift stuff inside, decor. Won't really talk about our tent sale, but, Ken, that's going to be around October 15th, mid-October. We'll we'll talk about that later that we always have in the fall and the spring. And produce is going really good. We're reloaded on that. We've got 14 boxes of peaches coming in. They've been selling really good, so those peaches uh, did turn out to be pretty good. And uh, sweet corn, peaches, tomatoes, anything anything you want. I love those peaches, and uh, this is the time of year to get those in. This is How's the Bite. It also is going to be uh, how to get ready for the hunt. We'll bring in some more people to talk about uh, all deer hunting and what you might be able to do now to prep for it that's legal. And uh, we'll give you some regulations on duck hunting as we uh, move on into the fall. I've also got a gentleman who duck hunts for 50 years on the river. He's going to float down with me and talk about his memories of that in the near future. 
Bob Urban, thank you very much. Thanks, Ken. Have a good weekend. I'm really excited to hear uh, from Brett King and hear what he has to say today as well. Brett King joins me. He is up in Red Wing, Minnesota. He specializes in walleye and uh, a number of other things as well. So, uh, Brett, it's a hot summer day down here in Iowa. I hope you're doing all right. It's all right. It's pretty hot up here as well. Um, I sit actually on the banks of Pool 3 on the Mississippi is where my home is, um, just north of Red Wing. But, yeah, no, it's uh, it's very warm this week. That is for certain. Well, we're on Pool 10 down here. And, uh, you know, we had some awfully good fishing when we got into the river this spring. But you, like us, had some mighty high water early on, didn't you? We did. We actually went from seventh time, I think it recorded as all-time flood level, to um, I actually did a little drive down today by Bay City, Wisconsin, and looked at that area um, very at the top of the Lake Pepin there, and I've never seen so much land in my life. We've gone from one extreme to the other in just a few short months, so... I told some ag people the other day, that's my old specialty, and that I wasn't sure whether this was the Mississippi River or the Nile because it was a river flooding through a desert. And we had some really dry weather during parts of the year and all the way down the Mississippi they've had this in various places. But here we are right now going into uh, August, and you're a pretty active walleye fisherman, aren't you? Yes, sir. Pretty much based my whole life around that. Well, how did you uh, get it to where you could truly do that? Um, boy, it took took a number of years and, and just navigating my way through different employment opportunities, a lot of self-employment involved, um, down to now where I actually work on a full-time basis for a for a boat company. Um, selling high-end fiberglass fishing boats on both the Yawcraft boat side and the Basscat boat side, um, which that allows me opportunities also to guide. I'm a licensed Coast Guard captain, um, which you need to be here on the river. Um, That's kind of a lot of my retirement plan. I do run some trips, but not as many as I could. Um, I help out a few of the fellow full-time guides in this area when they have big trips, et cetera. Um, and then I've spent the better part of well, probably 23 plus years uh, fishing professionally on the, on the walleye circuits from the PWT to the RCL to the FLW, now the NWT, um, the AIM Pro walleye stuff. Um, very active in that, uh, the AIM stuff, which we'll get into in a minute. I got some cool stuff about your areas down there that uh, we're involved in. So, I don't know if I'm smart enough to ask good questions on this, but in professional walleye fishing, um, what does it require from you to be able to show that you're the best? Well, you know, there used to actually be a qualifying uh, process back when it was the professional walleye trail, the PWT. Um, You know, since things have evolved, now it's just more about who can afford to participate than anything. If you can afford it and you got the equipment, uh, you can participate. Um, you just basically got to sign up 
basically put your money where your mouth is for the most part and go out and, and try to compete with these guys, which it's, it's brutal. I mean, it's, it's competition beyond competition. And now, you know, things like live imaging continuously change the game, but I've been able to survive it. Um, at about the 10 year mark, I kind of broke over the top of it and was able to, you know, obtain sponsorships, et cetera, to keep me going. Um, but it's really a lot about longevity from what I see in this industry is being able to survive. It's such an expensive sport to participate in. If you don't have the backing, um, it seems to gobble a lot of people up, you know, in one to two years and they're out if they don't have some instant success. I guess there's a lot of people who want to emulate those of you who fish professionally and we'd like to see the best fishermen come forward how much technology are you allowed to utilize on your boats when you're out there walleye fishing? Uh, pretty much endless. Anything available, you know, for sure to the open public. Um, it has gotten very techy, which I have mixed feelings about. Um, but we can use all the imaging. We can use all the sonar, you know, the conventional sonar, side imaging, all of that. It's all in play. Um, you can use underwater cameras, uh, whatever's available to you, live bait, artificial bait. Um, it all comes into play. It basically follows state rule guidelines from body of water to body of water. That's your limitations. Do you uh, pre-fish quite a bit before you hit the water for the tournament days? Um, that's that's one of the things that has become an issue is there is no limited practice periods and you know it it puts people at a disadvantage when there's you know people that can go for a couple weeks ahead of time and really break down a body of water i typically our tournaments on the nwt are normally on a thursday friday i try to at least be traveling to the location on friday if not thursday before and break it down, you know, between Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and half a day Wednesday if I need it um, to break that body of water down. So you're going into it literally a, a full week ahead to try to be competitive. Yes, that is correct. What does it result in? Uh, I mean, do you still get washed out, or do you feel like that those people who work the hardest win the most? It is a lot of hard work, and those that are willing to put it in, uh, put in the work, you know, do seem to rise to the top more often than others. It takes years of experience to fish in different bodies of water. Uh, I mean, from reservoirs to rivers to to natural lakes, great lakes, and they all fish different you got to have a pile of equipment for, you know, each of them. And you also have to be able to outfit a co-angler as well. Um, so when you need one of something, you need six of something. So you have, you know, four rods, which we can fish most places. And then you have a couple spare backups. So uh, that that uh, results in a warehouse full of a lot of gear and tackle over the years.
of course, that is really one of the goals of the manufacturers is to drive consumption of high-end items, I would think, and uh, make it to where that uh, there is an income stream for those people who are sponsoring you. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, you've got all the the electronics companies, which I'm not super affiliated with any one of them. Um, as a manufacturer's rep, I, I sell them all. They pour a tremendous amount of money towards tournament fishing to keep their technology front and center, like live imaging. Um, you know, a live imaging transducer is, you know, roughly $1,500, depending on the manufacturer of it. And, you know, you can't just have one. You might have one on your trolling motor. You might have one on the rear of your boat. You might have one on a pole. You know, and that's just one quick example of how far it can go. And we've gravitated from one graph on the bow to one graph on the on the council to now it's pretty common to have two, if not three, on each location. Is there any uh, effort to bring you back to a IndyCar racing capability where they define, like NASCAR and IndyCar, they define exactly what you can have when you go out and compete? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm a little old school. I like to I like to fish, you know, by the pit of my stomach. I've always, I've always been that way. I like to look at water, break it down in my mind, and say, "Gosh, I should be right here." Uh, particularly being a river guy, it's a lot about reading water. If some limitations came and put restrictions on it, uh, it wouldn't bother me a bit. You see a little, little bit of it on the bath side. Um, in certain cases, but for the most part, it's it's pretty wide open as far as technology goes. Brett King, you're a guide. You're up in the area around uh, Red Wing, Minnesota. I hear that's awfully good walleye fishing right there. Uh, the people from Iowa envy you. But what do you think? I know you've been down in our part of the world. What do you think of this uh, northeast Iowa and eastern side of Iowa fishing when you come in here to fish and compete? Oh, I love it. I love this river. I fish this river all the way down to the Quad Cities. Um, actually, even one pool below the Quad Cities. And you guys have some really spectacular opportunities. Um, you know, that Clinton pool, that's pretty special. You know, with the slot, I've had a lot of fun fishing Prairie du Chien area. Um, lacrosse is, is full of opportunity. I haven't spent a ton of time between lacrosse and here, uh, but I have fished each individual pool. Uh, you guys have some great walleye opportunities and just fishing in general, you know, down your way. I've been on the board of directors for the AIM Pro Walleye Series for quite some time, and we run that AIM Weekend Walleye Series, and uh, you guys have always had the tournament trail, the Walleye Anglers Trail. And we actually came to an agreement with them last fall, and we purchased that. And we now have a rivers division that spreads from me to you down through that way. Um, pretty cool opportunity for, you know, the weekend anglers that want to fish a Sunday tournament uh, to have. And this trail encompasses nothing uh, but moving water. I'm going to ask you an off-the-ball question. We had a tournament here that DNR was sponsoring, and it was strictly about collecting data. But mm -hmm. there were pretty nice prizes that were given away. And the way that you competed was when you caught the walleye, you put it on a measuring stick, 
and he took a picture of it and posted it to the My Catch app, and it was for like a 60-day period. And um, it's seeming to catch on. It's not real fast yet, but I kind of wonder your opinion of that type of competitive fishing. The AIM series and the AIM tournament organization kind of founded all of that and inspired all of that type of tournament fishing. We are, you know, we have trademarked catch, record, release. It's all documented with photos. We do not currently at this time use an actual phone app. It's all done on a scorecard. I'm a huge advocate of that style of tournament fishing because the best man or woman always wins. Slots don't come into play uh, like you guys have in, in distinct pools down there. Uh, you know, the issues of crossing borders, like from Wisconsin to Iowa, Illinois to Iowa, etc. all that stuff goes away because you're not actually putting the fish in your box. You, you're catching them, you're recording them, and you are letting them go as quick as you can do the process. So I am a massive advocate of that style of fishing. Well, Brett, you uh, you give me a lot of hope here, and you make me feel good about uh, what you do and what uh, tournament fishing can be. You gave us some pretty hard truth of what you see it as being right now. But um, I love technology, and I love to catch fish, but I kind of like to not be overwhelmed with it while I'm trying to be in a situation where I'm wanting to enjoy it as much as anything else. Yep, and you'll see that a lot. I mean, there's you watch the bass events um, that are broadcast and live streamed, and you see a lot of guys, you know, head down, staring at a screen, and, you know, not casting until, you know, they physically see something, which there's some there's some pluses to that. I mean, as, as I get older and my body gets older, I, if I can save 100 casts a day, you know, not just throwing at empty water, that's not a bad thing either. Uh, it's just it's something in today's tournament world and fishing in general, if you just need to embrace it and get as good as you can with it. Um, the young students of the game have definite tech advantage on stuff like this because that's the generation. They're used to this stuff, and they truly embrace it. It's not going to go anywhere, from what I can see, unless the DNR gets involved somehow, some way. Um, so, you know, I would encourage people to start embracing the technology. It will eventually, like everything that comes out, it will get cheaper and easier um, to obtain, and uh, it's only going to advance. I, I do not see it stopping anytime soon. It's just going to get better and better and better. Brett King, would you want people to uh, know more about you so they can follow you while you're on the uh, circuit fishing or be able to get in touch with you? Yeah, I just I, I run through Facebook and just if my my personal page at the time is just Brett King. Be glad to take some friend requests and accept you in. I I'm not a great social media guru, but I do what I can to bring the important stuff out and not overwhelm people with just stuff. I try to keep it pretty clean. Um, I would encourage you know listeners down your area. We do have three events left in that Aim Rivers division. If you don't mind, I'll just call them out. We're going to be 
in Clinton, Iowa, you'll be allowed to fish pools 13, 14, 15, and that's on September 10th. We'll be in Dubuque, Iowa, October 1st, and you're allowed to fish 11, 12, and 13. And then uh, the championship, but you have to have had fished a couple events already to make that, but we'll do that out of Prairie du Chien. But there's a couple events there that people can get in as a one-off. Check out the, the catch record release format. Play on your playgrounds without the limitations of slots, etc. Um, it's a good opportunity for people. But as far as myself, I, I stay pretty low-key, but no no web pages or anything at this point. Just I just roll on Facebook under my name. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us on How's the Bite. Bob Urban speaks very highly of you. I will say hi to Bob. I'm sure I'll be seeing those guys, that whole clan up here pretty soon. I mean, I'm sure most of your listeners are well aware. Come October, November, early December, I don't hunt, and I don't hunt for a reason, because that is when the bite rocks up here. And this area up here is a world-class sauger fishery on top of, you know, many, many big walleyes as well. Brett, thank you very much for talking with me. Absolutely.